Hey, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of the Weekly Wealth Podcast. My name is David Chuddick, and I am a certified financial planner with Parallel Financial. And I've been getting a few different questions from clients lately. And tell me if any of these refer to some of your concerns. Some of them are asking, should I be invested in the markets uh, with the markets being at all times highs? So should I be invested in the markets right now? Um, Other clients are asking, are tax rates going to go up and how can I protect myself from high tax rates? And other clients are just simply asking, am I okay? When it comes to my entire financial picture, am I okay? So if any of these questions are keeping you up at night, email me, David, at ParallelFinancial.com, and let's have a 30-minute talk. Let's answer these questions for you. Sometimes the answers are different for everybody, and I hope that you enjoy this episode. This is the Weekly Wealth Podcast with certified financial planner, David Chuddick, where we discuss the wealth-building mindsets and tactics that can help you to build and maintain wealth for you, your family, and your business. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of the Weekly Wealth Podcast. My name is David Chuddick, and I am a certified financial planner with Parallel Financial. But this week, we're taking a little break from money, and we're going to talk about something else that uh, might even be a little bit more important than money. We're talking about health, and it's just awesome to have Michael Riccio uh, on this week's episode with us. We're going to talk about some things that we can all do to increase our health, because let's face it, health is wealth, right? So, hey, Michael, how's it going? It's going great, David. Thanks for having me on. Awesome. Awesome. This is exciting. Um I actually went to the Y during lunch today. So I found some time to go lift some weights and, and, and work on my own personal health, which is sometimes hard to do. But, uh, but yeah, tell me a little bit about your business, your background, and um, uh, you know, what you do for, for clients uh, to help them in their health journey. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I, I'm Mike Riccio. I am the owner of Mar Health and Performance, which is a, a 6,000 square foot health and fitness facility just outside of the Chicago land area um, in Illinois. So my background, I've been a trainer and coach for, uh, for about 16 years. My degree is in exercise science. So I'm an exercise physiologist by degree. And in my career, I've, I've kind of jumped around a bit. I've worked with professional athletes, which I still do. Um, and I've, I've worked in, in rehabilitation and working hand in hand with, with physical therapists. And I've worked a lot in management of fitness. So, you know, my background has, has brought me to this point where I felt confident in, in starting my own business. And that's what I do now, where I work with the general population, adults between the ages of 35 and 70, as well as a, a spectrum of athletes from high school through professional. Well, that's awesome. The exercise physiologists of the world have a special place in my heart because I married a cute little blonde one. So, uh, and, uh, so, so, so you, you, uh, you're definitely not the prettiest exercise physiologist that I know. So n- no offense there, but, uh, she has you, she has you beaten. So. Oh, I'm sure I'm very far down on the list and that's okay. Awesome. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, tell me like health, it, it's one of those things that we just sometimes, I don't know if we feel guilty about taking time. Like there was part of me that was like, Hey, do I really have time to go to the Y and get like a quick 25 minute workout and be in and out of the office in an hour? Like there's party that's guilty. Like, why do we put ourselves and our health on the back burner? I mean, you're a dude, you're a dad, you own a business and you look like you're pretty ripped, but you probably, I mean, do you have some of that as well? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I do. And you know, David, I, I think there's two parts. I think one, we, 
we really do feel busy. We really do have a task list, a to-do list. We do know that our businesses, our work, our kids are important, and we really do want to spend time there. But the honest truth is there is a second part of it that likes to at least subconsciously justify not, not getting to the gym, not eating right, not planning for our health and fitness and nutrition. And I don't think we do it on purpose. I don't think we do it maliciously to ourselves, but in a world of choices, I do think it's also the easier choice, mm-hmm. even though it makes us feel selfless to put ourselves on the back burner and start focusing on other things. You know, back in my thirties, I ran four marathons and I was like a 347 guy. So that's really good to the general competition, but there are people that beat mm-hmm. you by an hour and a half, but like for a quote, regular person, that's, that's pretty good. Yeah. So back in 18, I guess I was 45. I was like, you know what? I'm going to run another marathon and you know, I'm not going to beat my, probably not going to beat my time from, from the olden days, but, and you talk to people and it's interesting. People say, well, Ooh, I could never do that. Or I don't have time to run 30 minutes a day. And everybody has different amounts of talent, of resources, of everything, but we all have the same amount of time. So I watched very little TV for nine months and, and I just got it done. And, but I also was very much more efficient at the office because I knew I had to be. So, I, I mean, do you think that when you're a little bit more focused on your health, you can be showing up in the other parts of your life a little bit better as well? Yes, I do. It was Bill Gates that said, the only thing he can't buy is time. Mm-hmm. And I agree. Time is a finite number. However, I do think time is moldable. And I think like you just said, I think when we just start adding things in, like you did your marathon training, we realize that other things just tend to adjust. We start becoming more efficient in other places or items of our life that really didn't need to be there tend to work themselves out, even if the intention wasn't originally for them to work themselves out. Um, so, so yes, absolutely. I think that's true. Well, and, and you said the word intention and one of my favorite words with regard to success in any parts of our life is intentionality. Nobody ever got financially extremely successful and stayed there without intention. I mean, yes, you could inherit money, but if you're not intentional, the money will go. Um, you know, nobody ever got ripped and very healthy. Now, of course, genetics come into play. Some people are leaner than others and you can't necessarily change that. But to be the best that you can be takes intentionality and, and in your marriage. And, you know, as a father, you have to you have to be intentional. And that is resource management, I think, to an extent. And time is a huge, huge resource, I believe. Yes. And to go back to a point you just made, if you don't mind, genetics are a factor and I will never say they are not. However, they are not the crutch that we sometimes make them. And genetics, you know, I like to call them the they can be the gas pedal or the brake, just like our habits can be where they can slow certain things down and make things harder, or for some people make things a lot easier. However, very rarely are our genetics, a complete stop sign. Like we tend, like we tend to try to make them to be. So I've always enjoyed exercising and I've always almost considered that my talent as far as um, you know, I was never going to bench press 500 pounds. I was never going to outrun anybody at a world-class pace, but you know, for a regular dude, I've always been a good athlete. And I always thought that kind of my talent was the fact that I liked doing it. And um, I don't know if that's a, even a genetic type quality, then you get to the other end. And I don't know if people talk themselves into, I hate working out, or if it's, if it is a crutch or if 
do, do some people, does the pain of doing a bicep curl feel worse to some people than others? Yes, it does. And uh, did, were you an athlete growing up? Yes. Mm-hmm. So people that, that engaged in, in playful exercise throughout life, their body has just experienced the benefit and it is not as new. What people fall out of love with is the temporary sensation of being uncomfortable. And the truth is, if we are someone that has come from one, two, 10 years of inactivity, physiologically speaking, the body's going to see it as foreign. And in the short term, it is going to be uncomfortable, which, which, can, which the brain might pick up as pain. Mm-hmm. Now, I think a common mistake with that is people also jump into, you know, they go right from zero to 60 to use the car analogy. You know, we don't go from zero to 10. We don't start just taking walks. We don't start with some light exercise. When you start people the right way, they, that hatred, we can start taking that away. And, and before you know it, the body starts getting to what everybody gets to, which is liking movement. There isn't a human body on the world that does not like movement. It is how we are made to release dopamine. It is why we have the triggers to go get food. It, it is why we're made to move. The key is getting people who are too removed from it going at the right speed. So to not create that negative perception of it. Yeah, that makes that makes a lot of sense. That's almost one of the reasons why I haven't jumped into CrossFit is because I'm too freaking competitive and I would do things that would literally tear my shoulder off trying to compete with guys who've been doing it for 10 years that are 20 years younger. So uh, um, I actually taught tennis back in my 20s and I took about 18 years off uh, kids and soccer and everything else. And and I took that back up a, a couple of years ago. And that's just been just the, the, the agility and, and, and just the problem solving mentally, it's just really therapy for me. And I think we all need to find that, that form of exercise that is mental therapy. Uh, I did a lot of running, a lot of cycling as well. And, and I solved a lot of the world's problems on, on 50 mile bike rides. <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. I love the point you just made. You have to find what you like. Mm-hmm. And I think people are force feeding, you know, square pegs into round holes too often because this is how my friend lost their weight, or this is how so-and-so from the office did this. The movement really is the key. Unless you're getting into bodybuilding or getting to specificity of sport and athletics, that's when things become a little more, you know, a little more in need of those specifics. Yeah. But, but, but you're first, in your mid thirties yeah. on up. You just don't want to have boobs. If you're a dude, I mean, honestly, you got to move right. a couple of things you could probably do that could help you especially at the start. And then yes, absolutely. Are there certain ratios that do work better than others? Do we need strain training versus cardio? Yes. And you know, yes, we do. But if you're going to start in a way that starts to discredit exercise where you're not going to stick with it anyway, the perfect ratio no longer matters. The perfect diet doesn't exist because if we don't stick with it, it's no longer the perfect diet. So it's whatever you can actually do and do consistently at the beginning is what's important. And just like time, Things are moldable. Things are pliable. Your activity will naturally start to shift because now that you put it into your life and you did something that you were able to do three, four, five hours a week. Well, now the time slot is created. So now what we do within those three, four to five hours, now that can start to change, start fitting what maybe the fitness world deems an ideal ratio of, of activity. But I don't think that's anyone's first battle, but unfortunately that's usually where people go first. 
Okay. No, I totally get it. Totally get it. So you have this five pillar model that I think is pretty interesting. So maybe we could take, you know, just a minute or two, talk about each of the pillars, why they're important, how, you know, maybe what some of the common pitfalls are of, you know, again, your 35 to 50, 60 year old people that are, I mean, we're not world-class athletes, but we still need to maintain our health, but we do have kids. We do have kids that are on travel soccer. We are running businesses. Maybe we have, you know, demanding jobs. So, you know, what until you're making millions as an athlete, your job is not, I mean, your athletes, your pro athletes that you work with, their job is their body. They have to spend 40 yes. hours a week on it or more. I can't, I mean, I, so, so talk to me about those five pillars. Yeah, absolutely. And even with my athletes, we teach these pillars from high school on I, before that I, I have a youth program here too, because once sports are done, this still is, this should still be a factor in your life. So we teach it on early on as a lesson, you know, the, the pillar analogy, you know, is not, proprietary by any means for us. You know, people have used the idea of what holds up a house and what a good support system is before. We see a lot of three and four pillars. I use five and the five pillars I use are exercise, which is planned movement for a task, general activity, which is everything outside of that planned movement. The body still needs to move in general. And there's really good research on people that exercise at a high intensity an hour a day but do nothing for the other 23 hours, still having high levels of triglycerides, high levels of, of risk factors towards longevity and dementia and diabetes. And unfortunately, you know, we're, we're missing out on that. So but not to interrupt both. you, but I gained yeah. weight training for a marathon because, you know, you do your two, two, three hour run, then you tell yourself you need to replenish. And then you sit on the couch for seven hours. So some of that I think is not natural. I think maybe just a shorter run and just doing some gardening or just regular, just human activity would be more healthy other than kind of the goal of running the marathon. You're, and you're absolutely right. And that exactly, that's exactly what separates you training for the sport that you did versus people that get into marathon running because they assume the activity will, will also lead to the byproduct of weight loss. And that's exactly what it is. I just retested an athlete who just got out of his football season, a local quarterback, and he put on 2% of body fat during the season. Now he was a very lean kid for him. This isn't, this isn't a big, a big increase, but the truth is the body's protective too. And, and fat is a way that we protect our organs. So impacting of, of steps like in marathon and impact sport, like football or rugby or soccer, even, you know, football, they though all of those tend to see players that outside of the Ronaldo's of the world that don't always stay very lean. You know, especially mm -hmm. that more high impact, high impact positions. Um, so you're, that's a great point. The other three pillars are nutrition, sleep, and stress. And, and stress is the big one that, you know, we, uh, we, we make sure we're dealing with it within the scope of our practice. You know, I don't, I don't have any psychiatrists or, or counselors on staff, but there are ways to deal with stress outside of those avenues, um, breathing, lower intensity workouts, sleep in itself, eating correctly are actually forms of de-stressing in themselves, but it's still a separate pillar because it is important. And there are emotional stressors that are sometimes out of our control. Okay. Okay. You know, I don't know. <clears throat> Marty fish was a top 10 tennis player in the world. And he has a, um, uh, a documentary out on, you see Amazon or Netflix. And he went through some serious mental struggles and, you know, to the point where he had a breakdown, he's very open about his mental, um, mental struggles. And, and he finally said, you know, I can't fight this. It's not a sign of weakness. If I drop out of the tour for a while, number one, the average person doesn't know what we, we being top pro athletes go through. 
um, and how much work and just dedication. And number two, you're not weak or bad if you're not number one in the world. I mean, there's only number right. one, number one, and he got help. And, um, you know, he kind of talked about who he, you know, he may have killed himself if, if, if things didn't get help. So, so that de-stressing is incredibly important. Simone Biles is another example of someone yep. who just recently Olympics got so much, you know, slack for her decision to step away. And From I'm on people the who are overweight sitting on their couches that have never competed at a high level. 100%. And, but yet who feels stressed. So they're, they're hypocrites in two sure. ways, mm-hmm. but I have, I was completely on, on the support bandwagon for her because the amount of stress and pressure she is on, that does not make her less of a pro athlete. That is real. And, and the idea of her losing her, her proprioception went in midair in the middle of a flip. And those, and now it's physically death, dangerous. Potential death. That's, exactly. Uh, uh, yeah. Right. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Paralysis, you know, and that's, and that's the worst case. You know, the best case scenario is she loses it for her team, which is also in the grand scheme of things as a pro athlete, a, a terrible thing. So to be able to step away and say, I'm going to let one of my teammates step in for me. I think was a very selfless mm-hmm. and courageous act just to give another example. And I think that ties into where these pillars come in and how they affect each other. And really that's the point of having this analogy. If we have five pillars that hold up our house or our skyscraper or whatever, whatever, how dramatic you want to be in the analogy, the, the body is, is typically okay. When a pillar goes down, we are resilient. The body is resilient. What we have to watch out for is this domino effect where the loss of one pillar becomes a loss of two, becomes a loss of three, becomes mm-hmm. a loss of four. <clears throat> Excuse me. I have, so when I, when I was doing more public speaking before, before the pandemic, I was working with a local well-known hospital and I was doing continuing education events for physicians. And it was for them. It was partially for their health. You know, and these are medical professionals. But what I used to do was I used to fill up a balloon before the presentation and I had it behind the, the podium and I'd bring it up. And at the very end of the presentation for a visual, I'd have one person come up and say, okay, you are stress. Okay. So I want you to squeeze this balloon for me. So they squeeze the balloon. They keep squeezing. I'd say, you know, now because you're stressed and I call the second person up and say, now, because you are stressed, you are, you're emotionally eating negatively. So now your nutrition pillar is down. The second person can come and squeeze this balloon for me. You can see and where that's this me. goes. I'm, I'm a stress eater. Mm-hmm. So now, now, now you're stress eating. So now your, your body's inflamed. You're lethargic. Now, do you want to work out? Probably not. So now that third person comes up and they squeeze because now exercise is off, is off the table. So you can see where the analogy goes. Now, when you get to the last pillar and this balloon is about to pop and you ask the fifth person to come up and say, hey, can you come squeeze a balloon? Everyone's hands go down. There's no more volunteers because that balloon's about to go. But that's us. We, we push and we let every pillar go down. And unfortunately, we don't start backtracking and thinking about these things again until we are about ready to blow or we do blow, which is when, you know, God forbid, the heart attacks of the world come in or disease states come in or just, or just a high blush, blood pressure diagnosis kicks in. Or maybe it's one step before that. Maybe it's you realize you're blowing up at your kids because you don't have the patience to take you know, to take the two seconds and you're talking to a toddler every day and now you're spending every day yelling and your relationship with your wife isn't as good. There, there's so many. You other, hit the so bottle then maybe because, you know, you're to make the, you know, quote, make the problems go away. You, you, you drink yeah. too much and it, it all spirals. No, I totally, totally get it. For Absolutely. Sure. For sure. Yeah. And, and how and, often did you hear that? And sorry, in the, in the pandemic though, that was a big one. Everyone, mm-hmm. how many people didn't say, oh, I started, we started drinking because we were sitting oh, at yeah. home, yeah. you know? Yeah. And mm-hmm. so. Well, well, two things, and, and I won't get on a political soapbox, but zero politicians, I don't care who you voted for, but no politician said, okay, COVID's here, 
It's a horrible, horrible thing. We should wear masks. We should social distance. But none of them said, and we should all drop 10 pounds, 20 pounds. And while we're not working, let's stay away from each other. But let's walk around the block with our kids. Let's do 10 push-ups. Let's do one push-up if that's all you can do. No politician said that we should lose weight. And this could have jump-started. And instead, let I, where I live, they actually closed down the hiking trails. So you literally could not go hiking in the mountains, which what's more therapeutic on a beautiful day, hiking in the mountains with your family? They were literally closed. So, you know, what, what happened? The COVID-19, you know, virus put on 19 pounds for everybody. <laughs> for everybody. And, and there was, and that's exactly right. And, it, and I agree, I won't go down the, the political path, but I do agree that there was definitely a, an opportunity there was for an us opportunity. to not only say, here's the science for the pandemic. Sure. And no question. People take what they want out of that. That's their, that's their choice. And I won't get into that. But there's also, we, they had this opportunity to say, people are vulnerable. Let's get yeah. them on their health a yeah. little better. Yeah. But, you know, there's other factors, I guess, in those messages sure. as no, well. They're, they're no, no question. <laughs> but but especially the first time around this first virus, it I mean, I think it was a scientific fact that the heavier people suffered much bigger consequences. Without so a doubt. Can't, you yes. know, can't control that, but you can control if you if you eat a little bit less and, and lose a half pound a week. So, but we'll yes. get off that. But kind of going back to those pillars, think about, we are the weekly wealth podcast. So we do talk about money. Think about a time in your life where maybe money was tight or your money was not properly controlled, or maybe there's some bill or, 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 or your receivables just weren't where they needed to be. Now you get home. Now you kick the dog because you're stressed and, and maybe, you know, not as nice to your wife as you should be. And there's kind of one of the pillars as well. So our money our relationships, our health, our spiritual health, they all work together. And, and I love the pillar model that you have for, for health, but you can almost expand that to other areas of your life. And, um, and let's say, I, let's say I, I make it to where I'm incredibly financially successful, but I gave up everything. I, you know, I, I never got to my kids' games. Um, I, I didn't exercise, so now I'm severely overweight, and then I die too young. None of it's worth it. So we need to have balanced lives. And that's kind of a big part of this podcast is having a better life, primarily through how you handle your money, but also your health and your relationships. So, yes. Well, to share a personal story on that, because uh, that, that hit very close to home. My father died of a brain tumor in 2013. And he, he, he was a police officer. He was still chief of police of a, of a small local police station um, when he passed away. Our entire lives, he worked four jobs. He rarely slept, you know, and he did what it took to put food on the table and make sure we were in a, you know, lived in a safe neighborhood and went to good schools and, and God bless him for it. But he lived the exact life you just said. And you, you can't talk me out of my opinion that his lack of, that his, his lifestyle led him to that tumor. Now, could there be other factors? Of course there could. I'm, you know, I, I'm not a doctor, but, but was it a factor? You, you really can't convince me otherwise that it wasn't. So, you know, I have one of those very near passionate examples that does motivate me every day to try to find a better balance because I watched someone who didn't have a good balance, who didn't make it to a lot of our stuff, who we, we wouldn't see until Saturday afternoon until Sunday morning every week. And that was it because he was gone before we woke up every day and he got home every time, you know, every night after we went to bed. And that was, that was every night. Yeah. Very admirable, but probably just too much. Right. And, and we it, all need absolutely. to know when, when, when to stop being, so, yes. uh, so admirable. And, and that's, that is a balance with guys, um, is we need to work hard and, 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 and women as well. But, um, you know, we all need to support our families, but we also need to know when's enough is enough. And, and sometimes, 
you know, maybe if you have your debt under control, you can take a job that pays less that has better hours. It's not all about making as much money as you possibly can. Sometimes it's, it's keeping your lifestyle in check so you can afford to live off less money, even for a time. So, yeah. And that's the entrepreneur's curse, Mm -hmm. right? We, Mm -hmm. we want to start our own thing, but, but it also takes commitment and we bring in investment money and it does bring a higher financial stress that maybe is unknown to the person who is an entrepreneur because they still have financial stress. But once you've done both, you realize that, oh, what you just said is absolutely correct. That maybe making less money, but not being owed X amount of dollars to investors is maybe the less stressful route sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. There's no, no question. So let's spend, I don't know, five or 10 minutes and let's talk about maybe relating to each of the five pillars, what are some things that like today I can either do or not do because there may be some things that I need to stop doing to put myself kind of moving in the right directions. Again, most people listening to this podcast are not world-class athletes. Most are not going to win national championships and anything, but, but, you know, just moving in the right direction being a little bit better today than yesterday. And then a little bit better the next day. So give me, give me a few just actionable items. I, perfect. I have, I have three that we start every member with, no matter what their goal is walking in the door. It doesn't matter. Here's things that every human body should do that we can all start today. One is drinking half your body weight in water every day. The key is equally throughout the day. So from, from the time you wake up, maybe you wake up and you right away, you get 10, 12 ounces in because your body's been dehydrated for anywhere from six to 10 hours. And then from there, two to three ounces every half an hour or so. That seems like a lot of work. It seems like you're drinking constantly. And you keep walking to the bathroom constantly. Does that slow down? Do you get used to that? It does slow down. And that's actually where the two to three ounces comes from. More saturate into the system and more digest into the muscle and into the bloodstream versus drinking 10 ounces every hour, hour and a half. And the body's still only using two to four ounces and then expelling the rest. So, so people you're drink two to three ounces an hour. Two ounces every 30 to 60 minutes, two to three okay. ounces. Now, of course, you got to do your math on your body weight and what sure. half your body any, weight any is. Any tips so, or tricks on kind of how to measure that or or so I've got this 32 ounce bottle in my hand that I'm not sure if you're if all of your rules will be visible or not, but I have a 32 ounce water bottle in my hand. So for me, I drink four of these a day. Okay. And what I learned was just by having it next to me at all times, I stopped realizing I drink them all. I at noon, I know I had two of these, but if I look back, I have no idea when I got them in. So it's, it's more of a, it becomes a subconscious thing. So people that think I can't focus on that every half an hour, it's going to break my work focus. It's, a, it's going to break up my day. It won't have it in front of you before you know it, you will start just subconsciously reaching and taking sips throughout the day. And this habit is the first one. And in my opinion, the easiest one that can become cemented in a habit that you never think about again, and doesn't get in the way of, of your future ones. And tell me a couple of, of the other benefits of drinking quote, that much water are, are for the body? It's well, one, it's oxygen intake. Okay. Right. So your hydration goes a lot of ways. So it's oxygen intake, but it's also flushing of things the body doesn't like. So think of it as a river. If, if, if your river is constantly expelling things out into the bigger, the bigger bodies of water, if the river is always dry, nothing's getting carried out. Everything's okay. just sitting in there. So that's one. And two, it's the actual physical one. We breathe in oxygen, but we also get oxygen supply through H2O when we actually get it through um, our digestive system. So there's two different carrier ways to get things in, breathe in your air and drink it in your water. We do not move. We don't think our energy pathways, nothing works without oxygen consumption. Perfect. So I love it. And, um, and then if you want to add a third lubrication of, of muscles, you know, without water, we become very, very frail 
as a movement pattern. So it's decreasing injury, increasing movement and locomotion. Everything comes when you, when you have more water in you. Perfect. So that water, I mean, that is a 100% doable habit that anybody can start. There's no, there's really yes. no barriers to it. So perfect. No excuses. Yes. All right. What's number That's two? a huge one. Number two is movement outside of exercise, you know, and, and as much as I mean, you know, people sound like it's crazy because I own a gym and my first goal isn't to get people in here, but the first goal sometimes is just getting general movement in. Now that can be, and, and the research at, I know 10,000 steps became popular at some point. The research says 8,500, 8,500 steps a day are the ideal where we start to see lower levels in triglycerides, longer levels in health, longevity, and decreasing in other risk of, uh, of diseases by um, blood lipid panels. So you could look at that as, as getting the 8,500 steps in in bulks. Maybe you walk your dog in the middle of the day, but it doesn't have to be that. I have a member that does 200 steps an hour. It does not take long to get 200 steps. So for her, she realized that if she goes, goes to the bathroom, goes to get a drink of water and takes the long way around her office, she gets that easily every hour in a few minutes. And it, and it also gets her away from her desk and makes her feel more loose and mm-hmm. revitalizes her energy a bit too. But general movement, we cannot allow our body, if our body goes stagnant in movement for long periods of time, so does our brain. Okay. If our brain goes stagnant, decision-making to exercise later, to eat better, all of that becomes more challenging. Okay. So 200 steps an hour, 300 steps an hour, 8,500 steps, little bit of intentionality there, but that that's, you know, you're not telling people we got to run 20 miles a day. That, that, that again, that's, that seems very doable. Okay. Absolutely. So that's yes. two easy tips. What's, what's our next tip? The third one, and this does vary, the amount is going to vary, so I can't give an exact amount, but getting equal, like water, getting equal protein intake in throughout the day. If you, if you use the car analogy, a lot of us are driving our car all day and then putting the gas in later. Now, the only difference between us and a car is the car physically won't let you do that. Our body finds a way to keep moving around without us putting some of the proper gas in the tank. So this is a good nutrition rule in general getting even consumption throughout the day, but our protein intake tends to take a really big hit where a lot of us are taking in 20 to 40 grams at night and trace elements in throughout the day. We just can't survive on that. And again, that's going to feed back into energy levels, you know, so being lethargic throughout the day, not moving later. And from a satiety standpoint, protein is not only a building block for every system we have. It's also usually the trigger to hunger. So when people feel hungry, usually it's protein the body's asking for, but then our brain goes, oh, I feel hungry. Maybe my body needs protein, but what I like is that food over there. Right. So now we There's start no over-eating. protein in Doritos, is there? But, uh, uh, maybe very, very <laughs> little, which also proves there's no real cheese in there too, I guess. Yeah, I don't think um, there's anything. Yeah. yeah, but you get the point. If mm-hmm. we can do better about getting even consumption in, again, the number is going to vary in terms of what each specific body needs by gender, by weight, by activity level. But if you can find that number, and in general right now, actually, don't worry about the number. I tell people just, I told Ashley, you know what? I told a group of athletes last night. I said, here's, here's a website that just has a list of proteins on it. It was a generic website I found. It didn't, I don't know what the website was. It didn't matter though. I like the list. I said, go home, circle the proteins you like, hand the list to your parents because they were high school athletes and they're not doing the grocery shopping and, and figure out what's one from each list. You can have one at breakfast, one at lunch, one at dinner. And if you mm-hmm. do that, we're off to a good start. Perfect. Easy stuff, man. I mean, that that's just intentionality. And I think 
And when we come to money and when we come to health, people think, you know, I haven't really been exercising. I need to run a marathon next week, or I need to join the hardest CrossFit class, or I need to, if I'm not benching 300 pounds by next month, I'm a failure. No, I mean, I think there's some simple simple tasks that we can take on that just progress us forward. And if we're always moving forward, eventually we're going to reach whatever our potential is, you know, and, and I'm never going to outrun, you know, Usain Bolt and that's okay, but I could run a little faster and I could drop a few pounds, be a little bit leaner. So, you know, you know, I, I've always loved the comparison to the financial side. I think there's, you know, doing a little bit every day and consistency instead of trying to hit the home runs. I think those, the, the comparison is apples to oranges, but not, I think it's, it's closer to apples to apples than people think. Mm-hmm. Um, but well, I kind of lost my train of thought, but yes, I've well, always loved that analogy. Cause I do think it's very, very similar. Very few people go broke from one bad financial decision. Yes. Now you do go broke from a series of bad financial habits. And if you've ever watched the ESPN 30 for 30 broke, it was about pro athletes who've literally made hundreds of millions of dollars. Now I would say, Hey, if you, if I gave you a hundred million dollars now, would you, could you blow it? And you'd say, you'd have to be a moron, have to be an idiot to blow that kind of money. I make, you know, a, a minuscule fraction and I've managed to survive, but you take half for taxes, 10% for agent, you know, seven Lamborghinis for, you know, houses. And then you're taking care of all, it can go if you're not intentional, just yeah. like the person who's making $8 an hour, it can go. Now, the only difference between the athlete and the $8 an hour, person is they have a heck of a lot more fun on the way down to bankruptcy because they had a, <laughs> it's, right. it's more fun driving to bankruptcy in a Lamborghini than it is riding the, the city bus. But the math is the math, you know? And again, very similar. It's, it's a lot easy. The path to weight gain is a lot more fun than the path to weight loss, which is why those habits are easier to make. But what I love about habit change, and this is what I was going to say before, before I lost mm-hmm. my train of thought, what I love about habit change more than anything else is the confidence you start seeing in people. Developing a new habit is in and of itself a skill. Yep. And our, what we're missing on is developing that skill. So instead of aiming, and that's also why I started with the three bullet points I just gave you. Instead of aiming for working out six days a week, instead of aiming for losing 20 pounds in your first month, instead of aiming for saving all of your money for retirement in the first year, right? Get wins. Focus on the stuff that can help you develop a habit. One, you're going to feel like, man, if I it's a mental confidence. Sure. You start feeling like my, you're more controlled. I hit my decisions. 200 steps this hour. That's a win. That's you know? a win. That's a and win. Now, and now instead of me saying, well, Mike told me to do this and it would work. So I'm going to listen to Mike. Now it's, I have my own memory of this working. I can pull from my own subconscious, my own memory bank to, I did this. I can do this again. And if you start with small wins, they will trickle and they will multiply. So people need to, it does take a level of patience for mm-hmm. sure, but start with small wins, gain them. And then it, the rest will just start taking care of itself as you go. What do you think about words? I have, um, I'm teaching a financial literacy class and I almost had to slap her because I told her several times, <laughs> we're not going to, and it was all joking, but we're not going to use the word try anymore. It's not, I'm, I'm trying to not do this. I'm trying, no, you're either going to, not go to Starbucks anymore, or you are, let's not say try. So do you think how we talk to ourselves both verbally and, and internally makes a difference? 100%. And I like what you just said of another example for, I have an old client. Now I've used this a few times now, but an old client that when she came in, I, you know, she had every justification for every action. Mm-hmm. So we said, we're going to try something new. When you come in and I ask you our normal series of questions about the habits we're working on, you are only allowed to say yes or no. You cannot give me the reason behind why you did it. So 
did we get our walk-in yesterday? No, but what? Nope. Uh, uh, yeah. you, you can't give it. Mm-hmm. We have to stop it. No. And what that did was it, it, it forced her to just hear, like she, it's like she heard in her head because otherwise she didn't hear the no. She heard her justifications again and it's further validated even, her decision. And the justification reasons sometimes are even halfway relevant and, and, and legitimate, but they're logical. Absolutely. They they're absolutely. logical. I didn't work out because I wanted to spend more time with my kids today. Instead, not many right. people in the world are going to crucify me for that. Mm-hmm. Right. However, it was but still justification. And I probably still could have done both. Could you, especially when your kids are young, could your workout have been going, pushing the, the stroller with your wife and your baby? These are could called solutions. These are called Absolutely. creative solutions. That is all, and this is what I tell my clients. There is always a way. The, the hard part isn't, the hard part's finding it. The hard part is finding it for you. I don't know you. I'm trying mm-hmm. to get glimpses of your life from a conversation, but I really don't know. If I spent, if I watched you, 24 hours a day for a week, I could probably give you a whole list of advice. Oh, no question. But this is where this is where people have to have some ownership on themselves. I'm sure financially is the same thing of, of, of being self-aware of who they are, what their justifications are. And it really takes an honest talk with themselves in the mirror about really what the real limitations are and strengths are before we start attempting to make the first changes. No question. Now, you know, you're, you're in the Chicago area and there was a guy that was a halfway decent basketball player with the same first name as you. Um, and, um, I don't think he ever said, I'm going to try to see maybe if I feel like it, I'm going to, I'm going to go to the gym and shoot a thousand free throws. That's not what he did. Um, you know, he, it's just, I'm, I'm going and I'm going to outwork everybody. And I have this intentionality and, you know, I don't know Michael Jordan's lifestyle and, you know, sometimes maybe the people that are that, ex- that excel too much, their home life stuffer. But um, I don't think Michael Jordan ever said the word try or no, but. No, but you know what he did say? He did say he's failed a lot. Sure. And he did say he's missed a ton of shots and he did say, mm-hmm. but it didn't matter. It didn't stop him from trying the next one because every miss was a lesson. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Instead of using the word failure, it was just another lesson. And yeah. I happen to have a, you know, I don't know him either. Not by no means. I've met him one time because he used to work out at a very high end gym I was at in Chicago, but I did have a connection with him that someone that works with him on the, on the fitness side of things. And she verified that over the years past the game of basketball, when he puts his mind to something, he just buries himself in it yeah. and he focuses. And that's the difference between, between people that do find success and that don't is that they don't do anything with half focus or partial focus, or I'll try this here and there. Yeah. You focus on one thing and you focus heavily on it. And that's where it starts becoming a part of your life. Not a question. Well, I mean, it sounds like you and I, I mean, we're on the same, same wavelength on, on different parts of, of success and different pillars, and we could probably talk for hours, but I want to hear a little bit about your virtual kind of uh, programs that you have, because not everybody is physically, uh, physically near you. Tell me how you help people on this health and fitness journey. Yeah, absolutely. You know, when the pandemic hit, I did what a lot of gyms did and we, we went virtual in terms of exercise. And, you know, I, as, as I watched people and this became kind of a you know, a social experiment for me. I realized that exercise, it, one, it wasn't working in terms of people completing it. But two, I realized that wasn't the biggest battle. It really wasn't. And at the time I was, I was just starting my PhD work and I was, I was doing an independent study on behavior change. So I got really into the neurology of, of behavior change. And I realized that it's, it's the habits were the bigger thing and getting into that. So I formed what I called an accountability group with my members. And at first it was a pilot group. We had 10 people in the first group, 22 in the second. And really what it became was just 
people realizing that they're sharing each other's problems. It can be a community group where we share tactics like the ones we shared today. And we made sure people just stayed aware every week. And what we realized was people started to get better. They started to trickle in certain goals and people, the people that were frustrated at week three and week four, because they weren't seeing progress, were seeing the success of others and one success led to the other. So I decided this was going to be our new virtual program. Is exercise a part of it? Yes. I've got, I've got hundreds of exercises to pick from and, and workouts you can do at home. Um, but the bigger focus, because this launches in, in a few weeks, depending on when you air this, the bigger focus is going to be developing that habit change as a skill set. And then from there, I don't care what your goal is, because we're, we're going to accomplish it because you're going to be better at achieving new skills. So that's what we focus on in our virtual programs is the habit change side of, of health and fitness. Well, if you don't change habits, anybody can do anything for a week. And then, you know, you get off your habits and you slip back, uh, you know, you have the proverbial falling, uh, falling off the wagon. So how do, how do, how does somebody find you? Where, where can you be found on, on the internet and, uh, to learn a little bit more about your programs? Yeah, absolutely. I actually have three ways. So I've, uh, Mar health and performance, M-A-R health and performance.com. I realize it's a mouthful. If I've, if I've any regret in my business, it was not condensing down the, <laughs> the website and the email. Um, my Instagram page for the business is at Mar Health and Performance. And to add one, you can also find a lot of my podcast work and my health speaking work on uh, my Instagram, my personal Instagram, which is at lifestyle underscore podcast. Perfect. I love it. Uh, I believe in, in living balanced lives. And I believe that you know, health is wealth. And, and I, I believe that we need to take care of our entire financial pictures, but our physical pictures, our relationship pictures. So you and I are just on such a good wavelength together that um, this is all related. Uh, before we um, before we call this episode uh, over, I always ask my guests for their definition of true wealth. So I didn't tell you I was going to ask you for this, but to put you on the spot, what is your definition of true wealth? Uh, you did not ask me that. And it's a good question. I've been called financially driven a lot of my life by old, 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 uh, old bosses, old managers. And now that I've had kids and I've lost my father, my, my perception has very much so changed. Um, so for me, true wealth is time. I want to have the control in my life that I can coach my kids, that I can see them grow up, um, but do so in a way that is also financially taking care of them. So for me, my true wealth is my children, but being a part of my children's life in an impactful way, which means for me, finding a ratio between doing what I have to do financially to make sure they are comfortable mm -hmm. and, and don't go through the stresses that I did in life, but making sure that I am in their life um, in a way that a lot of dads don't get to be. Absolutely. How old are your kids? I have 11, four, and two. There you go. Well, I have, uh, have an 18-year-old that's uh, in college and I have twin 14-year-olds, uh, twin so uh, uh Every stage of parenthood is both, um, you think the next stage is going to be easier, but they're all beautiful. They really are. And they all have some frustration as well because, you know, kids can be uh, uh, demonic at times, but now I have, I have the best kids yeah. in the world and, and I wouldn't trade a minute of it. So no, it's the best thing in the world. And I'm very much so trying to enjoy the moments. Yeah, I've always been a person that tries to rush to the next thing and looks at the next milestone. So my kids growing up too fast in front of my eyes has been a, a, a reminder to me to to try to slow things down and, and be more in the moment when I can yep. be. 
no question. Yeah. Well, awesome. Well, everybody go to www.marhealthandperformance.com or visit at marhealthandperformance on Instagram. Uh, see if this is something that interests you, but I promise you that you will never, ever regret changing some small habits in, in your life and in our lives. And small habits just over time, they compound. Um, and honestly, our habits compound for us or against us. Uh, so let's make sure that our habits are moving us in the directions that we want with our money, with our health, with our relationships, with our spirituality. And that is something that we will never regret. So with that being said, I wish um, I want to thank Mike Riccio for being on the on the podcast. And I wish everybody a blessed week. Thanks, everyone. David, thank you.